0: Feeding of God's Word. Our passage is going to be Isaiah 9. We're going to look at it twice today. In your uh, pew Bibles, there should be a pew Bible. It looks something like this right here nearby you. It's on page 646. 646 in your pew Bibles, Isaiah 9. So if you look around, you'd probably find a pew Bible if you didn't have, happen to bring your, a Bible today page 646. we like everybody to be able to see the passage together as it's being preached. Isaiah 9, page 646. <clears throat> Again, as um, Mike mentioned earlier, this is a prophecy of Jesus looking ahead, written over a thousand years before the coming of Christ and yet the vision that it's laying out of what he would come to do, that's what we're going to talk about today. Verse 1, chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Pray with me again as we come to our passage. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you send your spirit to be with us this morning? And awaken our hopes. It's my primary prayer today. Would you open our eyes to see. Just the the magnitude and the scope of this vision. That Isaiah gives us. Uh, Would you enlarge our our hearts. So that we can comprehend what what is he saying. That King Jesus is going to do. And is doing and has done. And I pray that we would be able to take that reality and bring it down into our everyday life. So, fill us with joy and fill us with hope, the kind of hope that changes everything about how we live, so that you would be glorified in us, so that your kingdom would come. So come and awaken your people this morning as we celebrate your coming today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In our series, our Advent series, we've been talking a lot about um, the celebration of Christmas in our culture um, and, and how that can be really different from the actual story in many ways. Uh, we think about how we celebrate it in our culture. Christmas is filled with nostalgia and, and, and joy and everything is going to be okay and everything's nice and and uh, it's it's jolly and it's jingle bells and all of this stuff and 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 sometimes that's just not the real reality of the world that we live in. In fact, oftentimes it's not. And probably if you're walking through pain and loss in Christmas time, you feel that disparity between the culture's version of you know jingle bells and and the reality of the brokenness of this world. But if you're walking through pain and suffering, you have a great opportunity to see the real joy and hope that is offered by the real Christmas story, by the coming of Jesus. We've been talking about those things. We've been talking about how as we see the story in Scripture, it gives us a real picture of the world as it is. As we mentioned last night, Jesus is born in the midst of uh, great oppression, political upheaval, uh, mass murder breaks out as, as all of the infants in Bethlehem under two years old will be murdered right after he's born. Um, we see poverty, we see hard everyday circumstances that are surrounding this story. Doesn't really match the nativity that we often imagine in our mind, where there's like you know it's glowing. There's you know Mary's got a glow around her, and you know the angels over, and it was real. He I mean, was laying in a in a cow's trough, and so we're we're trying to say, what do we learn from the realness of it? And essentially, it's saying Jesus came into this world. The brokenness of this world. The real everyday reality of this world. It's not empty nostalgia. It's real. And it has real joy and hope to offer you in your life. No matter what you're facing. Last night I was watching the CMA Country Christmas. Anybody watched that last night? Confession there. I was wrapping some presents and I was watching the CMA Country Christmas. And... There was, uh, and, and whenever I'm watching that, you know, the CMA country Christmas, they're still, you know, they'll stand for Jesus, you know. So they will sing the Christmas songs that are about Jesus on there. And uh, But as I'm watching them sing, and I'm hearing the lyrics, and as you know from me, I'm always saying, listen to the lyrics. I'm wondering, do they believe this? Or do they believe these astounding things that they're singing about what Jesus is going to do to this planet. And I don't know that they do, because when you do, it really changes everything about your life. But there was one song that they sang. They also had some secular songs, and they sang one song. It was a, it's a really, it's a Christmas classic. It's a beautiful song. It's not about Jesus, but it's about Christmas, and it's about the hope. For the world, and it's Stevie Wonders, uh, at Christmas, uh, Someday at Christmas, that's the name of it. You know this song? I'm not going to sing it for you, but you would get the tune. I know you know this song. It was first written in 1967, and, uh, and, and so they had someone on there singing this song, and it's very catchy, uh, and I was just, I was taken in by the vision of this song. It really is a song that's all about huge kind of hopes for our world, um, but there was one thing missing. Uh, the thing missing was Christ. The only way that any of those things can come. But I just wanted to to give you a few of the lyrics of this song, and in some ways, I think it gets hope. And vision that's bigger than sometimes we, honestly, as believers, have. So I think it kind of calls us out to say, hey, we've got to have bigger dreams for our world. But yet at the same time, we have something that they don't have in this kind of hope. And at Christmas time, there are many songs that are about peace and joy and, and really the world becoming a better place. Here's some of the lyrics here. Someday at Christmas, there'll be no more wars. When we have learned what Christmas is for, when we have found what life's really worth. There'll be peace on earth. Someday, all of our dreams will come to be. Someday in a world where men are free. Maybe not in time for you and me, but someday at Christmas time. Y'all get that tune in there? Is you resonating, you remember this song? Yeah, there you go. I need Greg to probably sing this for it. Someday at Christmas. No, I won't do it. I promised you. Uh, no hungry children, no empty hand. One happy morning, uh, people will share our world where people care. Someday at Christmas, there'll be no more tears. All men are equal, and no men have fears. Those are big dreams, aren't they? Those are big dreams. This is what he's singing about. One day, there'll be a Christmas one day when there'll be no more poverty. There'll be a Christmas one day when there'll be no more wars. No more wars. No, no more hungry children. That one day, all men will be equal. There'll, there'll be no more discrimination. There'll be more, no, no more racism. No more of those, no more classism and any other kind of ism that you can imagine. Those are big kind of dreams, right? Beautiful dreams. One shining moment, my heart ran away from our world today. Our world today is very different from that. Someday all our dreams will come to be. Someday in a world where men are free. Maybe not in time for you and me, but someday at Christmas time. Someday at Christmas. Man will not fail; hate will be gone. love will prevail. someday a new world that we can start with hope in every heart, someday all of our dreams will come to be someday in a world where men and fr- men are free, maybe not in time for me and you for you and me, but someday at Christmas time what it 's A huge vision. There was one line I was trying to find in here. It's a huge vision. It's a vision about this world. Very honest about this world, but yet huge dreams and huge hopes for our world. But did you catch the way that it would come? When we have learned what Christmas is for, when we have found what life's really worth. See what he's saying is that we can realize this dream if we just figure it all out. We can realize this dream if we just decide finally to come together and let's build this world. Let's make it happen. Let's put an end to all of this war and all of this oppression. We can do it together. We've got it inside of us. We can save ourselves. We can save this world. And unfortunately, that's the hope of so much of the world. It's a, it's a big kind of dream, and I think that challenges us because our, our dreams sometimes are far too small. For us, as we think about Christmas, as we think about the coming of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, oftentimes is no bigger than dealing with your personal sin problem. Now let me say, that's a glorious thing. The fact that Jesus came to become our substitute, to take our place, to take the wrath of God, to take the guilt of our sin, all of our shame upon himself, that's glorious. The fact that he brings us into God's family through his work of walking in our footsteps, that's wonderful. But you see, that's only the full extent of so much of our hopes of the gospel and of this world and of the kingdom, our personal sin problems. And so when that is the full scope of the gospel for you, here's what it means. Well, you know, I prayed to receive Jesus and I walked in all aisle in my life and, and now my sins are forgiven and I'll go to heaven whenever I die. So I got that taken care of. And then I'm just kind of bouncing around, living my life. It kind of looks the same as everybody else. The question is, what does the coming of Jesus, what does Christmas have to do with everyday life? With the brokenness in our world, with the brokenness in my family, with the brokenness in my own heart? What does Christmas have to do with that? Does it have anything to do with that? Does it give us a vision for our world that's not just as big as Stevie Wonder's? It's far bigger. Does it really mean that one day at Christmas time there will be no more wars? There'll be no more poverty, no more hunger, no more oppression. The the Christmas hymn seemed to say that. I mean, the the one that we just read, the one that we just sang together, I wasn't reading, I was singing it, I promise. In His name all oppression shall cease. That's huge. Because our world is filled with oppression. That's a huge kind of statement. In His name, all oppression will cease. Huge hope. Is that what Christmas means? Is it just my personal sins are forgiven? Glorious, wonderful, and that's where it starts for you. But it doesn't end there. Does it really mean that one day at Christmas, this world will be made new? One day at Christmas... All oppression shall cease in His name. Does it mean that? Well, let's look at the passage. Let's look at the prophecy. Is that what it's referring to? And as you look at, particularly the prophets, you get this grand picture of what He's going to come to do. And I just want you to see how big it is so that at least you can begin to say, do I really believe that? And when you get to that point of saying, do I really believe that? Like, Monday through Saturday, I think we're starting to make some progress as followers of Jesus. Because I don't think we believe this that much. But if we do, it changes everything about how we live. Let's see what he says. Verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. As we saw last night, we talked about this. From the perspective of the Bible, the world is in darkness. And for light to come into the world, for transformation to happen, for salvation to happen, for for things to be fixed, it's got to come from the outside. You see, he didn't say there, from the world a light has dawned. But he says, upon the world, from the outside, coming into the world. We focused on that last night. That's the problem with Stevie Wonder's vision. It's big, it's beautiful, but it's got no power. It's got no reality. It's got no mechanism for it to happen. Light must come from the outside. Salvation must come from God. We don't have it in us. Why can't we bring peace on earth? Because they're the problem. Why is there not peace in the Middle East? Because there's not peace in my relationship. Because in my heart and in all of my relationships, I say, me first. The problem is not first and foremost out there, it's in here. So salvation has got to come from the outside. But the hope that Isaiah is giving, the hope of Christmas is that it has. The first thing is we're going to see this picture and what is the coming of the light? It's it's the coming of a person. It's the birth of a child. You see that? In verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. What's, what is this light? What's going to bring about this huge vision that he's about to lay out? It is the coming of a human being. It's the coming of the Messiah. That's what he's looking ahead to. So what, what is he going to bring? That's the first thing he talks about here. What is his coming going to bring? And listen to what he says here. First, he talks about the joy, the worldwide joy. That he will bring. And look how he describes it here. Verse 3. You have enlarged the nation. You have increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. Now that's a picture. Now we're not. Harvest time's not a huge deal here. Because usually harvest time is going down the Ingles And buying whatever I need for that week. But in the ancient world. In agrarian society. That at the time of the harvest. It was great joy. I mean, there's there's singing, there's celebration, there's feasting as you're bringing in the harvest from from all of the hard work throughout the year. It's a tremendous picture of joy and everyone rejoicing together. But there's another picture of joy. As men rejoice when dividing the plunder. When do you divide the plunder? When you've just won the big battle. You can imagine the picture there, you know, conquering some city and just running around in joy, you know, taking the stuff out of the houses and plundering the city and all the stuff that belonged to them, well, it's now yours. You know, everybody's got the jewels hanging around them. and the, That's the picture of just exhilarating joy. As he's looking ahead to this, he's saying, look, when, when Messiah comes, joy will fill the earth just like the plunder. In fact, will be dividing the plunder together of the nation. But also it will be freedom, ultimate freedom, worldwide freedom. Look at how he describes it. From the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. The picture of being in chains, being in slavery, being under a, a rod, carrying a weight together, a yoke and it just being shattered altogether. Tremendous picture of liberation and setting free, again, worldwide. And then finally, peace. Look at verse 5. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Question, when do you burn the military equipment? When do you take all of the instruments of war and just throw it all into the fire. When all war is over. And not just one battle has been won, but when there will never again be a need for any. Tremendous picture of worldwide peace. And it's all because of who he will be. Second part of verse 6, he will be called... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The government will be on his shoulders. As he's describing the coming of the Messiah, and again, this is Jesus. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be a king, a reigning king who will rule and administer his kingdom throughout the world. And then he gives us these series of throne names. Wonderful Counselor. It doesn't mean that he is a great shrink not that kind of counselor. It's a military council. It's, it's, this, it's this picture of, and in the ancient world, the kings would lead in battle. They were also the head generals. So to be called Wonderful Counselor is, is the picture of him and his strategy to fill the earth with his kingdom and win every battle. is just a, a, a perfect strategy. It's a picture of a tent with a king laying out his plan for battle among his generals. And then seeing his plan and saying, that is absolutely perfect. You are a wonderful counselor and you cannot lose. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Not just saying he's going to be defined here. It's literally, it's God is a warrior. It's his victory will bring glory to God. Everlasting Father. Not just, it's not confusing him with God the Father here. In the ancient world, the king was called the Father. To be the father, and we see that, you know, our father David that's spoken of in the Psalms. He will be a king, again a king, prince of peace. Fill the earth with peace. Now listen what he says in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish You see how big that vision is? And it's practical. It's not just a suggestion. This is not, I'll fly away. One day we're going to be in heaven and float on clouds and all that kind of stuff. No, it is one day King Jesus will reign, will rule upon this earth from sea to sea. In his name, all oppression shall cease. In his name, there'll be no more hunger. There'll be no more poverty. There'll be worldwide joy, freedom, we've never seen before. Do you believe that? I mean, not just like in the southern Bible belt, do you believe this, you know, you've got to punch your ticket kind of way. But is this your hope? Is this your hope for your life? For the things that you're walking through in your life right now? For the brokenness that you're experiencing in your life? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is going to fill the earth with his kingdom? Because as we believe that, it changes everything. Now, How does that impact our relationship? How does it impact our work? How does it impact the struggles that we face in our own life? You see, the struggle in the Christian life is a struggle to believe. To believe the full significance of the gospel. So, you know, Stevie Wonder sings of this sings of this great dream. I think as Christians, one of our biggest problems is that we don't dream big enough. We're just content with a little... You know, give me my forgiveness, and then I'm going to wait to one day get beamed up to heaven. But what the gospel tells us is that He will fill the earth with His kingdom. That He's going to reign. That we're going to be raised one day. So it's huge kind of hope. And so Christmas is all about joy. It's all about working that joy into our everyday life. That we would be people who live in light of this hope, and let me tell you, there's a lot of there's a lot of work to do in our in our hearts for that to be our controlling hope, because there's so many other hopes that we have. You know, my hope is that I'll 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 get to this level in my career. My hope is that I'll get this kind of house. My 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 hope is that I'll get this kind of spouse. My hope is you know, fill in the blank. We have all these hopes. That What the gospel says is, do you you see what he's going to do? That is your hope. Live in light of that hope. Bring the reality of that hope into the details of your everyday life. Let me pray for you.